Hello and welcome. My name is Dr. Kenitra Bryant, and today's motivational aim targets harp on hope, not on hate. I want to thank you for listening. I'm covering a 38-part series entitled God, Me, and the Dissertation. My aim for this series is to encourage anyone working on any goal to keep pressing forward no matter what. Additionally, I am sharing some personal experiences along with some tips that helped me through my academic journey. Feel free to listen and share parts 1 through 33 to catch up as I jump in on the motivational aim, harp on hope, not on hate. So what does the phrase harp on generally mean? A few definitions include to dwell on something. And when we define the word dwell, that means to live or stay as a permanent resident, to reside, or to keep the attention directed. All of these are relevant definitions relating to the phrase harp on. When someone harps on something, they are doing what those definitions described. They are staying on something or they are staying on something they keep their attention directed to solely. Someone can harp on something positive or negative, or they can harp on something beneficial or useless. The choice is ours. So what are you harping on? As I reference this motivational aim, harp on hope, not hate, which one will you dwell on? Which one will you live in? Which one will you keep your attention directed towards? Hope or hate? Are you going to harp on hope? Or are you going to harp on the hate? And we know what hope is. Hope is to have a desire with expectation of obtainment or fulfillment. To expect with confidence. And I believe we all know what hate is. Hate is the extreme dislike or disgust or an intense hostility and aversion usually deriving from fear, anger, or a sense of injury. Now that we have those baseline definitions establishing hope, harp, and hate, I want to go ahead and share a passage of scripture tied into this motivational aim that I want to expound on. The passage of scripture can be found in Mark, the fifth chapter, and the 21st through the 43rd verse. And these are two stories in one with the same motivational aim, harp on hope and not hate. I encourage you to read Mark, the fifth chapter, and the 21st verse through the 43rd verse in its entirety as I provide this snapshot of the passage. Jesus, along with his disciples, crossed the sea, and a large crowd gathered around him. There was a synagogue leader named Jairus who approached Jesus, and he threw himself down at his feet, and he begged Jesus sincerely, stating, My little daughter is very sick. Please come and place your hands on her, so that she will get well and live. Jesus walked with him to where the man's daughter was. Now as Jairus and Jesus are walking, 
the crowd of people continued to gather around Jesus. Remember, there was a large crowd around him. And you know what a crowd is. A crowd is a large number of people gathered together in a disorganized way. And if anybody's been in a crowd, there's a lot of pushing going on, forcing. A lot of pressure takes place when a crowd is gathered around somebody that they're trying to get close to. The crowd was present when Jairus approached Jesus, and the crowd was present when Jesus was going to his house. And the crowd was present when a woman who saw Jesus walking with Jairus approached Jesus also. Jairus was focused on his goal when he went to go seek help from Jesus. And his goal was to get his daughter saved. His daughter was sick. His goal was for Jesus to come to his home to put his hands on his daughter so his daughter would be healed. Now, there was a woman in the crowd And this woman in the crowd, she had a goal too. And her goal was to get to Jesus and just touch him so that she would be healed because she was battling all types of issues and she had to get in the presence of Jesus. The woman touched Jesus with great faith and she was healed and she accomplished her goal. Now, Jesus continued walking with Jairus and they reached his home. And some messengers came from inside of his house and told him, your daughter died. The hope you had is dead, in my opinion. I mean, it makes no sense for you to talk to Jesus about your goals or your hopes. Just leave Jesus alone about that. Now, when you read your Bible, you will see that Jesus paid no attention to what they said, but told Jairus, the father of the little girl, don't be afraid, only believe. Then Jesus did not let anyone else go on with him except Peter and James and his brother John. They arrived to the house. Jesus saw the confusion. He heard all of the loud crying and wailing. He goes in and he says to the people, why all this confusion? Why are you crying? The child is not dead. She is only sleeping. People started making fun of Jesus, so he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the three disciples and went into the room where the child was lying. He told the little girl to get up. She got up and she started walking around. When this happened, people were amazed and Jesus said, give her something to eat. That is the snapshot of the passage. There are several targeted points I want to share with you as you aim towards your targeted goals regarding harping on hope and not on hate and I'm going to use this passage of scripture to break that down and I want us to look at how these two people this woman in the crowd and this father who went to Jesus concerned about his daughter how they both harped on hope and not on hate, and how we should do the same. Okay? Target point number one. We understand that there is a dilemma. Both people who saw Jesus, they were going through a situation that only Jesus could get them out of. 
They were studying and researching possible solutions to get themselves from one point to another. And that was their goal. They needed to get out of this situation that they found themselves in. And they did constant research. They studied their problem over and over again. They understood that they could not come to a solution unless they included Jesus in the equation. Now, it's important for us to aim towards our targeted goals, but we should not do anything apart from Christ. We should not do anything apart from God. We should not do anything apart from Jesus. Yes, we can search, we can research, we can cross-search, we can cross-reference, we can study all day long, but the results will not be the same unless Jesus is included in what we are doing. When he's included, that's when we gain clarity, and that is when we gain insight. Target point number two. We understand that there was a crowd. Both Jairus and the woman in the crowd, they were going through something. Okay? Jairus was there, and the woman with the issue of blood They were both working towards their goals. They needed healing in some area of their life. As I just mentioned, they did the research. They tried to do everything on their own at first. They tried to gain an understanding. They tried to be successful apart from Jesus. They realized that wasn't working, so they had to get in the presence of Jesus and make him their top priority. They had to make Jesus the top priority in what they were aiming to achieve. But what happened is they encountered an issue. As they were going to go to Jesus and keep Jesus first, there was a distraction. There was a crowd. It wasn't easy. There were a lot of factors surrounding them. There were a lot of factors blocking them. There are a lot of things, as I just stated, distracting them from Jesus. Anything to get their attention away from Jesus. But they both did something. They harped on hope. They did not harp on the disorganization of the crowd. They did not harp on people pushing and shoving them or possibly knocking them down. They didn't harp on the size of the crowd. They did not harp on the weather. They didn't harp on the distance that they had to travel to reach their goal. They harped on hope. They harped on the expectation that when they got to Jesus and they kept Jesus first in their goal, something would have to change. They harped on the fact that they were going to surrender everything to Jesus. They harped on hope despite the challenges they faced. They harped on hope that Jesus would lead them, guide them, show them, deliver them, help them, and assist them. They did not harp on the hate they received from the crowd. And scripture didn't say this, but let's use our spiritual imagination. You have Jesus Christ, the Son of God. People heard about his miracles. People's lives were changed. They heard Jesus being on site and people went wild. They wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. 
People wanted to be near him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They heard that he was a profound storyteller. And this crowd could care less about Jairus' daughter. And they could care less about this woman going through this health battle. They were there for their own individual reasons. They had their own goals. And they wanted to get to Jesus too. And yes, I believe there was pushing, people tripping and falling, people yelling in people's ears, people pressing up on folks, not implementing any social distancing whatsoever. Toes were probably stepped on. It was an uncomfortable situation, but the two people working on their goal didn't harp on the hate from the crowd. They harped on hope of accomplishing the goal, similar to what we need to do. We are all working on some goals. Jesus is or should be the key person we get in the presence of seeking him as he guides us and leads us to our goals. Jesus is the only one who can make our goals manifest or come into fruition at just the right time. But when we experience the crowd, other people trying to achieve the very thing we're going after, We shouldn't get discouraged. We should not stop moving towards our goals because it's uncomfortable. We should not fall back or fall away from our goals because people are around. People are stepping on our toes consciously or unconsciously. People are pressing up against us, trying to get us to stop doing what God called us to do. People are shoving us in their actions, their words, or their deeds. People are trying to stop us from making progress as we get closer to our goal. There will be a lot of whispers of negativity swirling around you. There will be taunts. There will be yells. There will be threats. There will be a lot of hastiness going on all around you. The aim is to get your ears connected to the right voice and disconnect your ears from the wrong voice. Fix your eyes on what's before you and don't fixate your eyes on what's going on around you. Apparently, that's what Jairus and this woman with the issue of blood did. There was a crowd in their midst. They were a part of the crowd. They were in it, but they didn't do what the crowd did. They did something different. They went against the current, and they kept their eyes focused on Jesus, and they did everything they needed to do to get in the presence of Jesus to get their goals accomplished. Targeted goal number three, we need to understand the process. These two people, Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood. They were working towards their goals. They sought after Jesus and they went through the process. They were so busy harping on hope, they didn't focus on the route they had to travel with Jesus. See, they already went through so much without Jesus, taking all kinds of back alleys, trying to create their own home remedies seeking people out who could not help them. But when they surrendered all and went to Jesus, they had to follow him 
the way Jesus wanted them to follow him. Wherever Jesus took them, that's the route they had to take. And they were willing to do so because before they were traveling without him and it got them nowhere. They received no real results. They were willing to surrender all and do it God's way, even though they did not know how things would work together. Now, when Jairus was able to go before Jesus and throw himself at his feet and he begged him to come to his daughter, Jairus was willing to walk wherever Jesus walked. Yes, he was leading Jesus to his home. Although Jesus knew where he lived, Jairus had to keep in step with Jesus. He couldn't bust through the crowd and tell Jesus, yeah, Jesus, get out of the crowd and come over here. There's a shortcut over there. No, he had to walk where Jesus was walking. He had to walk the pace of Jesus. He couldn't take a shortcut. He had to do things God's way. We don't read about Jairus telling people, hey, scram, get out of the way. Jesus is coming to my house to help me with my goals. No, he already went through doing things himself and dictating stuff. It didn't work out for him. So now he had to follow Jesus' timeline. The woman with the issue of blood, she was going with the process too. Although she was in the crowd, for this woman to be able to touch Jesus, she had to follow the process of understanding that she was in a crowd, but she had to keep her eyes on Jesus and move strategically. She had to move strategically so she could get closer and closer to Jesus until she achieved her goal, and that was to touch him so his power could hit every area of her life. She wasn't moving apart or away from Jesus. She wasn't doing that anymore. She started moving in step with him. She started studying him. She started researching him. And she reached her target. I only read about two people out of the crowd. The Bible said there was a crowd. But I only read about two people out of that crowd who made direct contact with Jesus. Why don't we read about other people in the crowd receiving a blessing and reaching their goals? Could it be that people say they want to reach their target aims, but they aren't really ready or willing to put in the work? They just flock around the dream. They swarm around the idea. They put themselves in places where the goal lingers, but they don't want to go through the process of getting in step with the one who can connect them to their desired goals. It is so important that we understand the process so that we can move the way God called us to move. Targeted goal number four. We should understand the importance of receiving the hope. Just imagine what those two people were thinking when they saw the size of the crowd. Jairus could have thought, man, this crowd is massive. How is this going to work? And the woman with the issue of blood could have thought, oh my goodness, how will I reach Jesus? 
but what if they both received a renewed sense of hope to harp on when they saw each other? And what I mean by that is, what if, this is my spiritual imagination kicking in again, what if the woman with the issue of blood was in the crowd and she saw Jairus fall down at Jesus' feet? Let's say she did not hear anything he said. She just saw the desperation in his face, in his actions, and his body. And then she looked at Jesus and saw how he was stationary or going in one direction. But when Jairus showed up and fell before him in front of those people, Jesus nodded his head and started walking with him. What if that happened? And if that happened, what if that moment gave the woman with the issue of blood a renewed sense of hope? As I just mentioned, what if she looked at the crowd and thought, oh my goodness, how is this going to work out for me? This is overwhelming. I don't know if I can achieve this goal. Look at all of these people enrolled in this Get to Jesus program. How will I make it? And she sees one man get to Jesus. And she is thinking, you know what? I'm going to do this. And then she has a renewed sense of hope to harp on. Then as Jairus is walking with Jesus, what if he was thinking, I mean, I made contact with Jesus. He's coming with me. He's in my life, but my goal seems like it's untouched. I mean, I'm not there. I know I'm putting my trust in Jesus. I know I'm dependent on him. But Lord, I gave you my goal. I'm so used to trying to fix things on my own. And trusting you is so hard. And all of these people are around me. This is overwhelming me. If I was there, maybe something would be happening. Uh, why do I have to go through this maze? Why isn't this just a straight shot? I mean, I thought if I came to Jesus, he would walk quicker than this and just make this crowd dissipate, but I have to go through this crowd. Lord, please, I hope that you're going to come through for me, Lord. Lord, please don't make a fool of me, Lord. I mean, I feel like I'm breaking away from you right now, but I know if I do that, I'll be back at the beginning without you, wishing I would have did things your way. Oh, I did that once before. It doesn't work out. It never ends well. Lord, please show me a sign of your goodness. I know you're walking with me, but I have all these thoughts going on in my mind. Lord, please just help me, help my anxiety, help my fears, help my doubts. Lord, please, I hope my hope is in the right place. I know it's in the right place because you're God, you're Jesus. I know that, but Lord, help me. I need you to show me a sign of your goodness. Show me something, Lord. Show me that I'm doing the right thing, Lord. I know I'm waiting, but please show me that I'm doing the right thing. I feel like this process is just so slow. I feel like this walk is slow, Lord. I mean, I'm hoping in you. I refuse to walk in doubt. I refuse to walk in doubt. I will hope in your promises, Lord. You told me that you're going to come through with me. You told me that you was coming with me. You are with me. You wouldn't bring me this far to leave me. I'm hoping in you. Let's say Jairus is doing all of that. He's thinking, he's pondering, he's casting down negativity. He could have thought, 
Why can't we just walk this way or go this route? There's a passageway right here we could have walked through. Jesus, I mean, what are you doing? And as all of those thoughts are swirling around in his mind, he's vacillating back and forth. He hears Jesus say, who touched my clothes? And Jairus is looking like, okay, what's going on? And then Jairus sees the exchange between the disciples and Jesus. And then Jairus sees a woman peek through this massive crowd. Jairus sees Jesus stand and speak, letting everybody know we are not moving forward until the person who touched me comes forward. So Jairus is sitting there saying, okay, this person does need to hurry me come because unless this person comes, Jesus can't get to my goal. So who is this person? Where is this person at? What if Jesus was setting the stage for the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus? But back to Jairus in my spiritual imagination. Jesus is commanding this person to come forward who touched his clothes. The woman comes to Jesus. And she lets Jesus know. Everything she's been through. Her story sounds just like Jairus's. She tried to do things apart from Jesus. It didn't work out. She sought Jesus, but when she touched Jesus and made contact with Jesus, her goals were achieved. She was healed. And Jairus hears that. He was just thinking in his mind, Lord, show me a sign. You know, I'm believing you. I'm trusting you. Show me that I'm not making a fool of myself, Lord. I mean, help me. And he sees that, he hears that. What if that was a testimony Jairus needed to renew his hope in Christ? What if God has taken you down some paths, walking with you at his pace, so you can trust him and see his goodness as he makes his way to heal your situation? Sometimes we think, Lord, you're taking too long. You're so slow. What's going on? But God is taking you through a journey so you can trust him and you have more experiences with him and his goodness and deliverance in your life. Everything Jesus does has purpose, including where he is leading you as you work on your goals with him. You might think, man, what is the deal? Why is this taking so long? What is the purpose? Your tank of hope could be depleted. But wherever God is guiding you as he leads you to your goals, there are some signs of his goodness waiting for you to see. There are some testimonies in the crowd waiting for you to hear. There are some turning points that you'll have to discover where your hope will be renewed. So when you travel down the journey of faith, you can replenish as you harp on hope and not hate. Targeted goal number five. It is imperative to hold on to hope. Jairus' hope was renewed when he made it to Jesus and he witnessed what Jesus did in the lives of several other people. Jairus' hope was renewed when he saw what Jesus did for the woman with the issue of blood, who was in the crowd with him. But as he moved towards his goal, 
some messengers came to him to tell him, hey, yeah, man, your goals died. So just leave Jesus alone. It was vital that Jairus held on to hope. The woman with the issue of blood had to hold on to hope too. When she touched her goal and her life changed, she heard Jesus say, who touched my clothes? Now, I don't know how Jesus said it, but it doesn't sound like he said it in a way where somebody was excited about telling him they did it. Because the woman, she shrank back. She shrank back. And it says that the woman was afraid. She was trembling with fear. So she had to hold on to hope, even though she didn't get the response she thought she was going to receive after reaching her goal. Have y'all ever gone through something like that? You achieve your goal, and you thought it was going to be one way, and the outcome was totally different. Not saying that the outcome was bad, but it wasn't as exciting as you thought it would be. You achieved the goal, and it was a God-honoring goal. But when you really acquired what you had worked so hard for, you see, man, I mean, I'm not as excited as I thought I would be. I mean, I'm happy, but I thought it would be a different way. I thought I'd feel different. What if this woman was going through that? She did all of this stuff and she reached Jesus and it wasn't all of these applause and, oh yeah, you made it, man. You got through the crowd. You did it. You're healed. Everybody give her a round of applause. No, she didn't get that. She was trying to hide. But she had to hold on to hope because she couldn't let those feelings of fear she could walk into her purpose stop her because sometimes that's what Satan does we achieve the goal God is with us and we don't get the congratulatory responses or remarks we thought we would receive but we don't have these feelings of just joy and just giddiness that we thought we were going to have God blessed us to achieve something so we could walk it out and fulfill our destiny. But Satan wants us to stay stuck on, you didn't get the responses you wanted. Was it really worth it? You spent all that time on this. Instead of thanking God, we're looking at the wrong things. Things are crowding our attention. This woman, like so many of us, she had to hold on to hope. She had to hold on to it hoping that her faith in Jesus carried her through despite what her thoughts wanted to tell her, despite whatever battle she had going on in her mind. She had to hold on to hope and not cancel what she was hoping for by saying things contrary to hope with her mouth. Now jumping back to Jairus, he had to hold on to hope when people came to tell him Yeah, that research study you tried to do, it doesn't work. Yeah, that goal that you were working towards, yeah, it's dead. Move on, let it go. 
I mean, I have experienced in things like this, and it's best you just count your losses, man, and just try again. No, they both had to hold on to hope, and they both had to hold on to the one who they sought after to work everything together for their good. Jesus was with them. He wasn't leaving them. All they could do is hold on to hope. That's all they had. Similar to me and you, we have to hold on to hope. When you hear news and when I hear news that something died from the perspective of other people, somebody could look at, I mean, you following Jesus? You waiting on God? You walking with God? You walking in the same pace as Jesus and keeping in step with Jesus? Man, those opportunities that you had, man, they died. Your dreams died. Your desires, man, they're dead. What will you do when you went to Jesus about a goal and you went to Jesus about a dream, you went to Jesus about a desire or idea, you're walking the same pace he's telling you to walk, you're trusting him, you have all these thoughts going on in your mind, you've surrendered everything to him because the things you tried before did not work. And people are telling you, man, ever since you start walking with Jesus, it looked like them opportunities that you were going after, man, look like they're dead. I don't know how you're going to do such and such and so and so. Looks like when you start following Jesus, things set you back. You should have stayed around and did things your way or our way or the world's way. But yeah, that keeping God first stuff cause your dreams to die I mean from what I can see what will you do will you harp on hope or will you harp on hating the decisions you've made to trust Jesus which one will it be targeted goal number six we must pay no attention to what they've said When you go to Mark, the fifth chapter in the 36th verse, this is what it says. Jesus paid no attention to what they said, but told them, don't be afraid, only believe. Jesus said this right after some people came out of Jairus' home telling him, hey, what you doing following Jesus and what you doing bothering Jesus I mean your desire died leave him alone let it go Jesus paid no attention to what they said and that's powerful because if we are following Jesus we need to do what Jesus does Jesus was walking with them Jesus was guiding Jairus Jesus knew his hope in him Jesus knew that Jairus had faith in him. Jesus knew all about Jairus' goals. But Jesus gave us a plan to follow when people or distractions or crowds jump in front of us with the intention to influence us. Jesus paid no attention to them. And that is what we are commanded to do. Not pay attention to what they have said.
there are some people who sit around waiting for your dream, your desire, your goal, your idea, your relationships, your finances, and your resources to die. They can't wait to tell you they are waiting, okay? They're looking out the window eager for you to show up so they can run out and tell you, hey, it's over, it's over, it's dead. Yeah, it didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, I just want to let you know that, I mean, it's over for you. I mean, you can stop praying to God about that, though. I mean, I know you was believing for God to do X, Y, and Z for you, but, I mean, it's dead. I mean, I saw it die. I mean, it's dead. Like, it's dead. I know you were believing for that promotion, and I remember, like, you put your little application in, and I was in on the application process, and we had to do a vote, and we voted you down for you not to get it, so I know, like, you had these big plans, and I know you was praying to God about it, but, I mean, it's dead now, you know, because I voted against it, so you won't be getting that promotion. It's over for you. Yeah, I know you're believing for that relationship to really work out and you were praying to God about it and you shared it with me. So when I got the information, I went to go set some things in motion to really destroy that relationship. So it's over. It died. No need to pray to God about it anymore, though. Okay, because, you know, I destroyed it. Okay, it's dead. (laughs) I know you were believing God to turn some things around for you as it relates to your loved one's health challenges that they were facing. And I know you said you were praying and you were fasting and you were just declaring God's word over the situation. And well, I called the hospital today and they let me know, I mean, that the loved one that you're praying about, they died. It's over. Like you can stop praying about it now because what you're praying for was just unheard of. I mean, I don't even know why you were believing God for that anyway, but they're dead. So just let it go. I mean, just let it go. I know you were believing God for that scholarship to put your child through school. I mean, that's a notable goal, but I just received the list of all the scholarship recipients and your name's not on there. I mean, just let it go. Stop bothering Jesus with that goal. Let it, let it go. So jumping back to Jairus, because he understood what you're going through. Same things people are telling you, they told him that. And just like you're walking with Jesus, he was walking with Jesus and Jesus paid no attention to them. And if you read Matthew, the ninth chapter in the 23rd through the 25th verse, you will discover this same account where we find out that there were people who were professional hired mourners. They were creating all of this noise, making an uproar. It was an event for them to see someone's dream dead. And they couldn't wait to get involved and create a production so people would know and hear about somebody's dream dying. Who is in your life waiting for your dreams to die? Who is around you setting things up for you to look foolish? Who is that person in your life that cannot wait to post And share the setbacks you experience. And then they cloak it in. Oh, sweetie. I'm so sad you're going through that. Oh, darling. Let me help you out with that. Oh, my gosh. It hurts me to see you that way. Stop it. Stop it. Stop stop it. Come here. Give me a hug. Come here. If you need a shoulder to cry on, I'm right here. 
Come here. Oh my gosh, I'm praying for you, Lord. Helper Jesus. Jesus, helper. But those are the same people who couldn't wait for your dream to die. They already set up the funeral. They ready for your dream to be buried. They're ready. They'll pay for the burial. Some of y'all can relate with that. Some of you are going through that or you've gone through something like that. And what did you do if you were really focused on your dream? You harped on hope and you listened to what Jesus said and you did what Jesus said. You paid no attention to what they said, but you stayed focused on the word of God and you repeated it to yourself over and over and over again. Don't be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. See, you can't pay attention to confusion. You can't pay attention to the distractions. You can't pay attention to the crowd. And you can't pay attention to the wailing. You have to implement everything you experienced when you were in the crowd seeking Jesus. What was going on? There was a lot of crying, stepping on toes, wailing, screams, outbursts, sweating, yelling, singing, confusion. There were possibly some people over there selling some t-shirts, some sandals, probably some fish sandwiches on a grill somewhere, just a whole bunch of distractions. But Jairus conquered that. He was able to get past all of that. He was able to get to Jesus in the midst of all of that. And if he was able to get through those distractions, he was able and empowered to harp on hope to get through the next set of distractions. Will you allow the distractions in your life derail you? Or will you allow God to deliver you? Will you listen to the messy messengers? Or will you listen to the words from the Messiah? Targeted goal number seven, continue harping on hope despite what you feel. Jairus harped on hope despite what he felt. People were laughing at him because he followed Jesus's words. The cross reference to this scripture is found in Matthew, the ninth chapter and the 23rd through the 25th verse. And as people laughed at him, He harped on hope and not on hate. He harped on hope and not the hate of people celebrating what they thought died in his life. See, it's vital to continue harping on hope and not hate because if we get in the space of harping on who is hating on us or we're harping on who's displaying hate towards us, We will miss out on what we are supposed to be doing, and that is following Jesus and putting our hope in him. There are too many crowds, too many distractions set up for us to get our eyes off of God and to look at who's laughing at us, looking at who's mocking us, who's willingly going in front of us to destroy our goals and our targeted aims as it relates to our relationships, our academic endeavors, our financial pursuits, our career interest, 
and even our health goals. There are some messengers actually going out hoping to kill our dreams. And then they don't want Jesus to revive anything that appears or is dead in our life or asleep in our life. So they will rush and try to put a nail in the coffin in an attempt to accelerate our delay as they laugh at us. We can't focus on them and we can't harp on the hate because the hate is a distraction. And if we dwell on the hate, guess what? We'll turn into the very people we despise. We'll turn into someone who is not hoping in Christ, someone who is not focused on surrendering their life to Christ, and we'll turn into someone who does not pay attention to what Jesus said. But we'll start focusing on what people have said, and we'll harp on the hate, and then we'll get away from our goals trying to fix somebody. That's not our job. We don't want to be like the other people in the crowd. In the crowd, we don't really know what they were about because we are amongst the crowd. We fit in. We didn't go against the current. We don't want that hate to take root in our heart where it prohibits us from really seeking Jesus out in boldness and truth. People will hate on you. They'll do some messed up things to you because they are in and a part of the wrong crowd. But as you go against the current and you harp on hope and not the hate, you will stand out from the crowd with a clearer aim to shoot your arrows of hope as Jesus guides you. And the scripture I would like to leave you with is Mark, the fifth chapter and the 36th through the 42nd verse. And here it is. Jesus paid no attention to what they said, but told him, don't be afraid, only believe. Then he did not let anyone else go on with him except Peter and James and his brother John. They arrived at Jairus' house where Jesus saw the confusion and heard all the loud crying and wailing. He went in and said to them, Why all this confusion? Why are you crying? The child is not dead. She is only sleeping. They started making fun of him. So he put them all out, took the child's father and mother and his three disciples, and went into the room where the child was lying. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, Little girl, I tell you to get up. She got up at once and started walking around. She was 12 years old. When this happened, they were completely amazed. But Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone, and he said, give her something to eat. And I wanted to share that passage of scripture with you to encourage you. Whatever you are going through, ask God to guide you. Do what Jesus does. Pay attention to his voice, not the voice of naysayers. And when people make fun of you for harping on hope, don't hate them. And don't let their hate towards you stop your hope. Remember that Jesus has a track record of blessing those who hope in him. And I have one more scripture for you. And that's Romans, the 12th chapter and the 12th verse. And it states, rejoice in hope, 
Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. I encourage you to ponder on those scriptures as you aim towards your targeted goals. I want to thank you all for tuning in and I want to thank you for pressing forward with me. Visit drkenitrabryant.com to download God, Me, and the Dissertation, a 38-day devotional on the site. You can order inspirational apparel and you have the option to connect with me on Instagram and aim towards the target and at college underscore success tips. Enjoy your day. Peace and God bless.